<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Thursday, April 9th, 2020. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, Disney Plus continues to blow the doors off the place. Good old phone calls are back, along with the desktop web. Don't expect to see any new emoji for a while. Stadia is free. Cobalt skills are in high demand. And why the pandemic might be a long-term good for internet infrastructure. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Even more blockbuster numbers in the streaming space. Disney has announced that Disney Plus now has more than 50 million paid subscribers globally, and that its April 3rd launch in India alone added 8 million new subscribers there. Quoting the streamable In February, Disney announced that their widely popular streaming service, Disney Plus, has amassed 26.5 million subscribers in its Q1 2020 and 28.6 million subscribers as of February 4th. That means that the company has added 21.4 million subscribers in just over two months. We're truly humbled that Disney Plus is resonating with millions around the globe, and we believe this bodes well for our continued expansion throughout Western Europe and into Japan and all of Latin America later this year, said Kevin Mayer, chairman of Walt Disney's Direct-to-Consumer and International Division. Great storytelling inspires and uplifts, and we are in the fortunate position of being able to deliver a vast array of great entertainment rooted in joy and optimism on Disney+. End quote. During the initial launch, 20% of Disney Plus's 26.5 million subscribers came as a result of the partnership with Verizon, while 50% came directly on the Disney Plus website, with the rest coming through partnerships with companies like Apple and Roku. End quote. Also, I didn't mention this earlier in the week, but Sensor Tower reported that Quibi got more than 300,000 downloads on its launch day a couple days ago, reaching number three among all apps on the Apple App Store, although it only reached number 29 on Google Play. Now, before you think that I'm bringing this up here, just to rag on Quibi's numbers by comparison, let me tell you, not at all. I actually think 300,000 downloads in a single day is quite impressive. Still need to give Quibi a try myself, maybe this weekend. Zoom just pushed out a new update that hides meeting ID numbers in video conference call title bars by default, thus preventing the accidental dissemination of meeting IDs from screenshots. This is obviously aimed squarely at cutting back on the Zoom bombing phenomenon. Quoting Bleeping Computer, in the past, when participating in a Zoom meeting, the meeting ID would appear in the title bar of the conference. When screenshots of these meetings are posted to the internet, it exposes the meeting ID and allows trolls or malicious users to attempt to Zoom bomb the meetings to pull pranks and spread offensive images and language. For example, the UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson tweeted an image of the first-ever digital cabinet that exposed the meeting ID in the title bar. This led to numerous people tweeting that they tried to connect to the meeting, end quote. We 
we are clearly just in a whole new race now for this sort of remote computing platform stuff. If before we had Web 1.0 and then we had the mobile web, what then is this new war all about? I guess, is it the meeting wars, the conferencing wars, the modern communication wars, the modern workforce wars? Everyone is rushing out numbers to show how they're hashtag winning in this war at the moment. Microsoft, for example, says it has seen a new daily record of 2.7 billion meeting minutes for its Teams product, up 200% from 900 million minutes in mid-March. And video calls for Microsoft grew more than 1,000% from March, quoting The Verge. Microsoft engineers are rushing about behind the scenes to make sure the company has enough capacity for all these new users. We've had to really make sure we had the infrastructure necessary to respond, and we have just been scrambling like everyone else, explains Jared Sparato, head of Microsoft 365, in an interview with The Verge. Microsoft had a brief Teams outage in Europe, just as demand skyrocketed in countries like Italy, and that caught the company by surprise. Quote, as things really started to heat up in Europe, the pattern we saw geographically was not what we were expecting, says Spataro. It was a surprise to us, frankly. The issues we saw were the result of us having to make quick adjustments, end quote. Businesses have also been transitioning their town halls, all-hands calls, and customer meetings online, so Microsoft has seen big surges in demand for Stream, the company's video streaming service. Microsoft has had to raise the limit from 10,000 participants to 100,000 as more companies look to Microsoft to help them facilitate bigger meetings and events, end quote. And actually, just as I told you yesterday that the desktop web was back, guess what's also back? Actual old-school phone calls. This is from the New York Times. While the nation's biggest telecommunications providers prepared for a huge shift towards more internet use from home, what they didn't expect was an even greater surge in plain old voice calls, a medium that has been going out of fashion for years. Verizon said it was now handling an average of 800 million wireless calls a day during the week, more than double the number made on Mother's Day, historically one of the busiest call days of the year. Verizon added that the length of voice calls was up 33% from an average day before the outbreak. AT&T said that the number of cellular calls had risen 35% and that Wi-Fi-based calls had nearly doubled from averages in normal times. In contrast, internet traffic is up only 20-25% to 25% from typical daily patterns, AT&T and Verizon said. This rise is stunning given how voice calls have long been on the decline. Some 90 million households in the United States have ceased using landline phones since 2000, according to U.S. Telecom. Wireless calls replace much of that calling activity, but the volume of minutes spent on phone calls hasn't changed much over the past decade as people turn to texting and to apps like FaceTime and WhatsApp, according to wireless carriers and analysts." End quote. Microsoft apparently won't be delivering those promised Windows 10X-powered Surface Neo dual-screen devices this year, as they promised. Those were the devices promoted at that last Microsoft event from, what was it, like late fall or something? Also, shipments of Windows 10X to third-party OEMs won't be happening this year either. It's all because of, yes, coronavirus. This is from Mary Jo Foley. Microsoft is setting internal expectations that it won't deliver any Windows 10X devices in calendar 2020, my contacts say. This isn't really surprising given what's going on externally with the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic, but for enthusiasts who are looking forward to dual-screen Surface Neo devices this holiday season, the reality is taking root. 
My contacts say that Chief Product Officer Panos Panay informed some of his team internally today, April 8th, that Microsoft wouldn't be delivering its own Surface Neo dual-screen 10x devices this calendar year. In addition, Microsoft also won't be enabling third-party dual-screen Windows devices to ship with 10x in calendar 2020, I hear. Microsoft's new priority is to get Windows 10X on single-screen devices first, which could be good news for those who are hoping that Microsoft's 10X push might help the company in its Chromebook Compete effort. Single-screen devices mean both 2-in-1-type form factors and traditional clamshell-type devices. I am hearing, though, Microsoft is not saying that it plans to delay its Android-based Surface Duo to sometime beyond this holiday season, end quote. Also, and this is not Microsoft-related, but I'm going to squeeze it in here nonetheless. We're not getting any new emoji anytime soon, quoting The Verge. Unicode says the delay is happening because it relies on volunteers who are currently overwhelmed dealing with the pandemic. Under the current circumstances, we've heard that our contributors have a lot on their plates at the moment and decided it was in the best interest of our volunteers and the organizations that depend on the standard to push out our release date, said Mark Davis, president of the consortium, in the group's blog post. This year, we simply can't commit to the same schedule we've adhered to in the past, end quote. We all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on, but when it comes to your health, there is no compromise. So don't go back to that one doctor who uses your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines, their family group chat, their crossword puzzles, just because they're available right now or they take your slightly sketchy insurance. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, and insurance, so literally no compromises here, because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately. No more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. And these docs all have verified reviews from actual real patients. We're talking about booking appointments with tens of thousands of top-rated patient-reviewed credible doctors and specialists. I have personally used ZocDoc to find a podiatrist when I needed one for the first time ever in my life. Go to ZocDoc.com TechMeme and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash tech meme zocdoc.com slash tech meme whenever i need to do financial research for this show for instance during tech earnings season when i have to analyze how various companies stocks have been performing i only ever turn to our sponsor today yahoo finance for more than 25 years yahoo finance has been the brand behind every great investor Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They are the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insights to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. 
This happened yesterday, but I didn't get a chance to mention it. Google has made Stadia free to use for anyone with a Gmail address and will give new users two months of free access to nine games on Stadia Pro. So if you, like me, were thinking of giving Stadia a try at some point, now's your big chance. But also, existing Stadia Pro users, you're not going to be charged for the next two months of service either, quoting Polygon. As of April 8th, access to the base-level version of Stadia, games stream at a maximum resolution of 1080p, will be free by signing up at the Stadia website. Users still have to purchase games to own them, but those games can be played on a PC, Chrome OS tablet, Google Pixel phone, and other supported Android devices. A Stadia controller, which can be purchased separately for $69, is not required. Users can also play with a supported USB controller or mouse and keyboard. The two free months of Stadia Pro will give users access to the following games as of April. Destiny 2, The Collection, Grid, Guilt, Streamworld Dig 2, Streamworld Quest Hands of Gilgamesh, Serious Sam Collection, Splitlings, Stacks on Stacks on Stacks, and Thumper. After the two-month trial period, Stadia Pro will still cost $9.99 per month. Subscribers can cancel their subscriptions online if they choose to do so." End quote. And this chatter has been making the rounds since late last week, so let me clue you in if you haven't heard. Many U.S. government websites and banking systems still use COBOL, the 60-year-old programming language, on the back end. Now, a lot of state unemployment systems have been built on COBOL, and what with the flood of unemployment claims over the last few weeks, folks that know COBOL are suddenly in great demand. In fact, states are asking retired software engineers to come out of retirement if they know COBOL to help them in this time of crisis. This is from 1-0. To COBOL programmers, it was a familiar ask. In times of bureaucratic crisis over the last 50 years, Americans have been faced time and time again with the dusty, dated systems that undergird much of our government and economy. In response to Y2K, when it was unclear whether the date of the new millennium might cause cascading errors across the entire world's computing systems, legions of programmers fluent in largely forgotten languages like COBOL were specifically hired to fix government and enterprise code. As a result, Y2K was largely a non-issue. Over 20 years later, much of the state, federal, and banking systems still run on these very same programming languages. The scarcity of COBOL programmers has led to increased interest in startups like COBOL Cowboys, made up of older, experienced programmers who have the know-how to operate these systems. COBOL debuted in 1960 and was largely used on IBM mainframes for business tasks like accounting. IBM continues to sell mainframes compatible with COBOL. The Government Accountability Office has repeatedly warned about the use of legacy programming languages for critical systems. In 2019, the GAO issued a report summarizing 10 federal computing systems that were in desperate need of an overhaul. For instance, the Department of Education's System for Processing Federal Student Aid Applications was implemented in 1973. It takes 18 contractors to maintain the system, and since it's written in COBOL, it requires specific hardware and is difficult to integrate with newer software languages. GAO considers COBOL a legacy language, which means agencies have trouble finding staff that knows how to write the code at all. And when they can, the specialist contractors charge a premium. It also means that when a system breaks, there might be nobody there to fix it, end quote. But at the same time, there is evidence that the global pandemic has pushed companies 
to expedite their network and server upgrades, leading some experts to say that we might be witnessing the largest expansion of internet infrastructure in years. This is from the MIT Technology Review. Far from bringing networks to their knees, COVID-19 is driving the most rapid expansion in years. To make sure they meet demand, internet giants like Netflix and Equinix, which operates 200 data centers around the world, are rushing out upgrades as quickly as possible. Equinix is in the middle of upgrading its traffic capacity from 10 to 100 gigabytes. The work was going to have been carried out over a year or two, but it is now being done in a few weeks. Netflix is expanding its infrastructure, too. It typically partners with the largest data centers in a region, which stream local copies of Netflix catalog to people's homes. Being as close as possible to viewers makes delivery far faster. So the company is now looking to install hundreds of extra servers in the second and third biggest hubs in each region as well, says Dave Temkin, vice president of network and systems infrastructure. Zoom is also trying to get closer to its users. It is monitoring where most of its traffic comes from and partnering with broadband providers in those locations to set up dedicated connections, end quote. And finally, don't know if you noticed this this morning, but I know I did. Twitter notified me when I logged in today that it has removed a tool that lets mobile users prevent some data from being shared with advertisers. EU users are exempt, of course, thanks to GDPR, but quoting The Verge, the setting prevented Twitter from sharing information like the ads you saw or interacted with and the tracking identifier for your phone. For most users, that information will now be shared by default and can't be turned off. The shared data is used to show the efficacy of advertising on Twitter, the company says. It helps Twitter prove that people are actually watching, interacting with, and otherwise seeing the ads that advertisers are paying for, which helps the company continue operating as a free service, end quote. An option in Twitter's privacy settings called Share Your Data with Twitter's Business Partners used to let you disable sharing of this information. That setting still exists, but Twitter now says it has removed your control over mobile app advertising measurements. Disabling the setting can still prevent sharing of other information, such as your interests. Other Twitter privacy settings, like disabling web tracking, are still available. Twitter will not share your name, email address, phone number, or username. The ability of ad data has had a big impact on Twitter's earnings in the past. Last year, Twitter blamed an earnings miss on a bug that prevented it from properly using and sharing this kind of ad data." End quote. Time for your local Brooklyn grocery shopping report, I guess. Junior's Bodega in Park Slope had basically everything I needed, so we're back to being in good shape in my household. Toilet paper does continue to be completely sold out everywhere, and I would disingenuously tisk-tisk everyone about that, but, you know, had there been any TP on the shelves, I would definitely have scooped it up, so I guess snarker snark thyself. Anyway talk to you tomorrow.